Gospel according to Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning to read at the 20th verse. Hear the word of God. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembering and said to him, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it, and you will. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Amen and amen. Today is the second part of a two-part series on the topic of prayer. Last week it was, how should we ask? Today, how God answers. We tried to point out last week that if a person has forgiveness in his heart, if he is aware of the laws of prayer and he really cares, willing to share and dare to pray exciting prayers, prayers of submission, God will hear. If you ask, you shall receive. Seek, find. If you knock, be opened unto you. And if you believe in your heart, Jesus will answer. Contrary to what many people would believe, though, I want you to understand that God does answer prayer, but he does not always answer your prayers. God sometimes denies the petition, but he always answers the prayer. I'll run that through you again. God sometimes denies the petitions in prayer, but he always answers the prayer. It's a little play on words to help you to see that sometimes the petition is turned down, but the person never is turned down who comes to Jesus believing in the power of prayer. You see, sometimes our prayers are not answered because they're not prayers to begin with. God cannot answer prayers of forgiveness when there's no forgiveness in our hearts. God cannot answer a prayer for you to give you something that he already has given you. No, prayers basically come 
when we're desperate, when we can't do anything about it and know it, and when we're asking for the help and the guidance which can come through the privilege and the throne of grace in prayer. God doesn't always answer the petition, but he always answers the person. And I'm very grateful to Dr. Robert Schuler, the community church out there in California, who says that there are only four answers that God does give to prayer. Only four. And no matter what your prayer is, to you as a person, he'll always answer one of four ways. And the first way that God answers is to say no. When the conditions are not right, God does say no. And that's very difficult for us because we refuse to believe that no is an answer, especially when it comes from God. But God does say no and never think otherwise. The history of the Bible is filled with individuals who heard God say no. Moses stood on the hillside. He could see the promised land. He wanted to go over. God said no. David, he wanted to do what he thought was a very sacrificial thing and build God the most beautiful house of worship that the world had ever seen. God said no, David, no. The Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary that the world has ever known, he thought he could do so much for the kingdom if God would only take away this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. Some people think it was an eye problem. Others feel that it was malaria or some sickness. But Paul had troubles that probably kept him someday from preaching, visiting, calling on the sick. He thought if he could get rid of this, he'd even be a greater messenger of God. And the Bible says he prayed thrice, which means he prayed continuously that this stone thorn would be removed from his flesh. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he kept getting the same answer. No. No, Paul. No. My strength is made in your weakness. When you are weak, then I am strong. My grace is sufficient unto you. And our Lord Jesus himself heard his father say no. Out there at the Garden of Gethsemane, the night in which he was betrayed, the night before he was to die, Jesus prayed, Father, Father, please, please, let this cup pass from me. One gospel or writer tells us that he prayed until he sweat blood, asking God to take this away from him. And God, to his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, said, No. No. You ever think what would have happened if God would have said yes that night in the Garden of Gethsemane? We would not have salvation as we know it. Be no cross or no eternal meaning to that act of crucifixion. You and I, we wouldn't be here today. Be no church. But because God said no, we have an institution today that the gates of hell cannot even prevail against. You and I, we have salvation. We know freedom and liberation. 
were empowered by his Holy Spirit to do great and wonderful things to this, his world, that he's allowed us to live on at this time in history. All because God did not say yes, but said no. You see, a God who is so loving that can even say no to his own son. He's going to say no to us, and he does so in the same love. Never forget, ladies and gentlemen, that when you get down on your knees and bow your head and fold your hands, you're not talking to some chum. You are at the throne of the grace of God. You are kneeling at the feet of your Creator. We need a good dose today in the Presbyterian Protestant Church of the sovereignty of God. We've lost a little bit some our informality. We've lost it in the informality of the day. We forget that this is not just our loving Heavenly Father, but this is God. And when you understand that, you see, you realize that God is not one who conducts a survey before he acts. God doesn't ask your permission nor mine before he does something. Do you realize God never even explains why? He doesn't have to. And never has God told you and me that he's sorry. He doesn't apologize. No, because you see, he and he alone knows the tomorrows of our life. He knows what is best for us. And when you believe that, you understand in the sovereignty of God, God sometimes says no because he has a bigger yes for us down the road. Longfellow said it, can you imagine the dispute in this world if God answered every one of our prayers? That's why he doesn't ask, answer the prayers. He answers the prayers, the person, not the petition. And it's the only way this world can continue with some sense of balance and purpose is because in his sovereignty, he does what he thinks is best for us. And he knows many times we don't like it. I don't know how many times I've told God I don't like his decision on this matter. But God understands that. Thank God he understands that. And he never closes a door without opening another, and he never says no unless he has a bigger yes somewhere down the road. I want you to hear that, because there are many of you here today that are praying about situations, and I think you're getting the word no. Conditions aren't right, and God's saying no. You don't like it. Some of you are trying to have a relationship with some person. You're trying desperately to have that. You want to give yourself in love and receive love. But God says, no, that's not for you. And we don't like it. Some of you are very concerned about your job. Some of you have a right to. You wonder what's going to happen. And you're praying against that day. Don't let it happen, God. Don't let it happen. I don't want the pink slip. That pink slip's going to come. 
That's God saying no. Some of you have worked very, very hard for that promotion. Last week, somebody else got it. You're thinking about quitting church, cutting your pledge, and stop praying. Don't do it. All I can say is if God has said no to you, and he does it all the time to all of us, it's only because he's a loving father and not a permissive one. It is because he has something greater and better for us to do. Now, if you can believe that, I don't care how many times God says no to you, you can take it. Because one of the answers, folks, one of the answers that God gives us when conditions are not right is no. A second answer he gives to us is slow. Slow. You see, when the time is not right, God answers us slow. Slow up there, Dick. I think this is the one he, he answers most in my life. Because I have such trouble with patience. But God, you see, understands patience. And he's one that they used to be able to say about the railroads, they can still say about God. He's always on time. Never one second too early, never one minute too late. God's sense of timing is tremendous. And if any of you have ever studied anything about public speaking, you know that the most effective thing you have going for you is a sense of timing. And I don't know about you, but Friday I cried when I got the word. We're going to miss Bing Crosby. And later that night with some of you, I, I saw a review of his life. And when they tried to, Barbara Walters tried to pin him to the wall to tell of his greatness. She said, what, what would you say about Bing? He made a few remarks, and one of these things is what I shall always remember about him. He said, here was a man who had a great sense of timing. He was a master. If you've ever studied his singing, if you've ever watched him, to me, what is so great about the combination or the group when it was Bob Hope and the Marks Bill Harris. They had a great sense of timing. And you and I laughed, not because it was so funny, but because they had a sense of timing. You're almost perfect in it. God's that way. You remember back in the book of Esther, when Mordecai came and said through the messenger to, to Esther, Esther, you've got to do something to help your people, and if you don't, help will come from some other place. And then he said those prophetic words to Esther, but Esther, who knows, maybe this is the hour, this is the time for which you have been born. The great thing about Christmas is fulfilled in Scripture where it says that in the fullness of time God sent forth his Son, born of a virgin. See, Christmas just did not happen. God planned it and he timed it and he timed it right down to the second 
And if God is going to fulfill the providence in your life and mine, just as he did in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, sometimes to your prayer and to mine, God has got to say, slow, slow, slow. How did the writer of Ecclesiastes put it? To everything there is a time. A time to be born and a time to die. Everything, everything has a time. So if you are praying prayers and you haven't gotten the word no, look deeply. You might be getting the word slow. And if you're not getting the word slow because the time yet is not right and God will not answer the prayer until the time is right, maybe you're getting another answer. Maybe you're getting the word grow. Because just as things are not right, circumstances are wrong, God will say no. If the timing is not right, God will say slow. If you are not right, God will say grow. And that's what he's saying to many of us. He wants to answer the prayer, but he can't answer it until we grow up. God has wonderful things in store for you, ladies and gentlemen. For me, too. He has mountains for us to climb. He has valleys for us to search. There are all sorts of wonderful, great things that God is waiting for us to find and to reveal through us that he can't do it until we grow up until we get to that place where we begin to think positively instead of negatively where we get to that place where we are driven by faith instead of by our fears when we are people who instead of being selfish see ourselves as being servants we become people who operate from the basis of love instead of hate, then God can start answering the prayer. I see it in the counseling room all the time, all the time. We have people coming and going and we thank God for them. For the ones that we're able to help, we're especially grateful. But so many people come expecting a miracle, expecting something to happen like that. They're in trouble, they hurt, they want everybody to know about it, and Dick, you fix me up in a hurry. And really, there's not much we do can do until some of those people grow up. Very frustrating. God expects us to be men and women in Jesus Christ. He's given us the tools, and until we are willing to put away childish things and become those men and women. God can't even answer his prayer because, you see, God never answers prayer for us. He always answers it through us. And sometimes he can only answer when we grow up. Those are the three answers. When the circumstances are, are not right, God says no. When the time isn't right, God says slow. When you're not right, God says grow and when the time is right you are right and the circumstances are right God says go go and 
When you get an answer of go in your prayer life, you better get going. Because that's when mountains move. That's when reconciliation becomes a reality. That's when hurts are healed. That's when the kingdom of God comes and God's will is done. So when you get that answer, and you'll know it, go. Go. And those are the four ways, and the only four ways I know of, that God answers your prayers in mine. All I ask of you is that you listen for one of those four answers. You look for one of those four answers. And believe me, no matter what is in your heart, if you are trying to abide in the Word of God, and God abides through Christ in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be given unto you. See, our problem is we, we play around too much with prayer. Though God takes us seriously, we don't take him seriously enough. We waste an awful lot of time on prayer, and I mean it, we waste it. We get down on our knees or we come to church and bow our heads and we pray, but then we take our concerns back out with us into the world. That's not the way it's supposed to be done. I read once of a custodian, the janitor in the church, who every Monday morning would find in the same pew over in the corner crumpled up pieces of paper, crumpled up pieces of paper. First he didn't think much about them, merely threw them away, but when he saw them week after week, he went over and he started to read some of them, and this is what he read. Mother dash father dash job, Johnny dash college. He collected these over the weeks couldn't quite figure what was happening, then one Sunday he waited to see who sat near where he found those crumpled pieces of paper, and there was a young girl. And he got all of the ones that he had collected, and he took them to her, and he said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I don't know your name, but here, I think you left these behind, and I've been saving them for you. Here they are. She says, oh, no. He said, well, what are these? These are my prayers. The pastor a few months ago said, when you come to church, bring your prayers and leave them here, believing that God is going to answer. And these are my prayers, and I left them here. And now, we read it here in our text. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, and the Greek here is believing that are receiving them, you will. Our problem is that when we pray, we really don't expect an answer. When we pray, we get up and take our petition back out with us to bring it back next prayer time, and that's wrong. God only answers your prayers. If you, as a prayer, believe that as soon as you utter them, God already with all of the forces in heaven and on earth are rushing the answer to you. Whether it's no, slow, grow, or go, answer God's way. Let him who has need 
asked. He who asked, let him and look. And if he has belief in his heart, the answer is on its way. Here it comes. Father, teach us to pray and help us with the answer. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of his Holy Spirit, be and abide with you all now and forevermore.